Greece is set in a simpler time when folks played tunes on the jukebox, drove to the drive-in, and the only thing people were worried about being exposed to was radiation. We've all seen the film, and unless you're Matt, you probably consider it a classic. But what if I told you there's an even better version of Greece? What if I told you it came out just two years ago? Well, I'm telling you, it's Grease Live. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the cream of the crop. Well, I just saw it like two hours ago. As in, no, no, I just finished it like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Before this, I was doing a bunch of research, like trying to watch as many of uh, these live musicals as I could. And I purposely left Grease live as the last because you said it was really great. And like you said, it was really great. I think it probably takes the most advantage of this specific medium than anything else like even the really good stuff a lot of these tv musicals get very ambitious with how they uh how they work with that divide between audience and and actors and sometimes it works and sometimes it completely fails but this uh from the get-go you know exactly what kind of sh show movie whatever this is like how the first shot is the is just like the opening in Greece with where it's uh, Sandy and Danny on the beach, but it's a very obvious green screen. Yes. Well, it's actually not. It's a projection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I'm not. It, it, I'm. I'm. I'm starting to get out of my cynicism. The camera that is on Danny and Sandy in that first shot. It's one, it is that same camera operator for the first four minutes and 40 seconds. I like timed it when I started watching this, like how long until the first cut. So that whole opening is one camera operator and then it pans off of Jesse J in the opening number. And then they all like walk into the school and it follows them in. And then for the first little bit of that scene, it's still the one camera operator. It's not until we're back with to Danny and um, that girl, Cindy is her name. And he's like, hey, you can help me out with my biology. That's when the first cut is in the entire broadcast. And that, yeah, that alone is pretty impressive. And I think that really sets the tone for what the show is. Like, like it doesn't try to hide behind the curtain. Like, there's uh, shots outside where you can see the scaffolding in the background. Well, you see the audience on screen. Yeah. I've always had um, a bit of some bones to pick with Grease as a show. And a, the movie. Like, I've never been a big fan of the movie. And... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, uh... Welcome back. <laughs> Everybody. Yes. Uh... That was an ad break, <laughs> not uh, technical difficulties. We have sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by GarageBand. When you need your podcast to spontaneously stop recording, use GarageBand. 
Anyway, we're talking about Grease. Not the musical. Not the movie. We're talking about Grease Live. The made-for-TV movie. Which always sounds like a bad omen, right? Ooh, it's made-for-TV. It must be total shit. But, surprise, surprise, it wasn't. This is one is actually quite excellent. It's quite excellent. That's the most Ben McVitie thing you've ever said. (laughs) It was quite excellent. It was, if anything, it's better than the original. Ooh, uh, hot take. I I agree. I was in Greece, the, uh, the musical, not the film. I am not 75. I uh, was Sonny, one of the greasers. He's like the sleazy greaser who goes like, Could you give me a friend? You know that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when we did Grease, so I don't think I don't think Grease is a very good show. No. But to make matters worse, we chose a not very good version of this not very good show. So you know how Grease opens with grease is the word it's the word it's the word so in the version yeah yeah, it's catchy right you know gets you hyped up yeah it's great so we started our version with the rydell school chant Woo! that's a great way to hype up Uh, singing about a fictional high school that no one went to exactly it really establishes the tone like oh i'm at a high school i wouldn't have known that if they hadn't done a whole song about it you know that's one of the many things that this show, Grease Live, does right, is it takes all the best parts of the movie and the musical and just kind of puts them, mashes them together. Part of the reason why I don't like Grease, and I don't like saying this because it's a pet peeve of mine when people, there's a genre of film criticism where it's, this classic movie is problematic now, and I'm like, okay, but we, that doesn't mean we have to not watch a movie if it's a great movie, is that they're just reflective of the time that they came in. But something about Grease, it always just bothers me because it's, whenever I'm watching it, so I've seen the, the original movie, and I've seen a couple live performances of it, and of course I've seen Grease live, and in all of them except for Grease live, whenever, every time Sandy comes in at the end in her new I'm a bad girl now. Tell me about it, um, stud. That yeah, kind, that I'm thing. always like, no, 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 don't change yourself for Danny Zuko. Yeah, that's like everybody's complaint with the with the movie and the musical, yeah. Like, Danny doesn't deserve Sandy. Yeah. But with this, I think they give both enough characters an arc and they're both cast well enough that you can see, even though I don't necessarily like Danny Zuko, I mean, when John Travolta plays Danny Zuko, I just dislike that character. With Aaron DeVette, I can at least empathize with him because you see he wants to be accepted by two groups of people. He wants to be accepted by Sandy, who he I think he sincerely loves, and he but he also needs to be accepted by his school group. And he has an image that he puts up with, like, the T-Birds, and he has to be cool, and then he also... Well, has to be a different person for Sandy, and he can't be both of those people at the same time. And you can empathize with his need to be accepted. And that goes for me with every character in the in the live show. Um, I like everybody a lot more in this version than in any other version, uh, because, well, I think part of it being live, and and everybody just seeming to have such a good time while they're doing it, it's just like you res- you respect the actors for clearly putting a lot of time and effort into it. So that's part of it. And also the whole thing that the show is not 
presented like we have to take it as literal as possible like that was my that was my problem with christmas story was that it was uh trying to pull off the artifice just too closely like it's all like a house now we're on the street now it's like a big hollywood set but it's like it doesn't add anything to the show it doesn't add anything to to the story but this works really well for it um and least of all because of great performances like as far as um aaron trevet was 33 when he did this show right and and uh, I know this because we talked about this in the earlier version we recorded <laughs> before my garage band fucked up. Um, <laughs> I'm just tempting fate right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, still going? It's still going. I'm looking at it. It's still going. <laughs> Perfect. I'm looking at the at the lines here, like the nurses in every hospital yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> never too soon we have all we have is comedy right now anyway um so aaron tevet was 33 when they made uh, when they did greece live um john travolta when they made greece the original uh was 23 10 years younger he is your age he was your age and aaron tevet is somehow 10 years his john travolta senior a more convincing teenager yeah or at least like a better character and i think like the likability comes from like the small changes they make to it and and was was john travolta big at the time like or was this his big break um i think he was big he was bringing like his movie star power to the role rather than like he was the he was the draw he was the draw to it and that's typically like these live musicals at their worst is uh, arguably Peter Pan. Worst as far as casting goes, obviously, because uh, yes. <laughs> some genius said, oh, we need to bring in the general audience to this Peter Pan live show. Who do we get as Captain Hook? Uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Why not Christopher Walken? It's just like there's like even mainstream actors, there's better choices. Like, I don't know, like, Hugh Jackman, that would work. Yeah. Yeah, or Christian Borle, who they had um, as as the father and Smee, uh, but they didn't. Yeah, but he has too many Broadway credits to be considered too many ma- mainstream. Broadway, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's, that's the problem with this is, with with these live musicals is that they're they're trying to be two things at once rather than their own thing and that's what this feels like Reese Live it 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 knows the right way to blend the movie and TV uh, elements and and that also goes with the casting like it's really smart that they have Broadway superstar Aaron Tveit as well as Disney Channel superstar Vanessa Hudgens like I think Danny is given more moments to show off that he's likable like um yeah with kaniki at the drag race drag race is in the movie i don't think it's not in the it's not in the show at least not in the crappy version we did yeah i don't think the racing scene was in um any of the live shows i've seen either no no which makes sense it's hard to get a race get cars to race on stage in community theater (laughs) yeah 
but the way they do it in this is really smart. And I'll get we'll get to that. But first, um, so the character moment with Kaniki. Um, so Kaniki has recently figured out that Rizzo is quite possibly pregnant, and he wants to be a good boyfriend, uh, but he also wants to maintain his macho image. And Danny, of all the characters in this show, really understands that dilemma. So uh, what he does is he whacks Kaniki with the side of the mm-hmm. with the car door to cover up him not being able to go to the race so he can uh, right. he can help be, be with Rizzo. And that is, there's a different version of that in the movie where it's an accident. It's an, oh, is it actually an accident? It is actually an accident in the movie. Oh, so in okay, this, okay, they changed okay. it to he does it on purpose. Yeah, and that's like such a great moment. Uh, it is. To show the character. Yeah. I don't know if we, we criticize Sandy, uh, her her choice to just become a new person just for danny this version makes me wonder if that was ever really meant to be the strong point of the of greece right well i think there's a couple things that this does that make me more satisfied with that is the ending now in this where there's a scene where uh patty who is intentionally very annoying in this broadcast she's always annoying yeah she is and they make they really make you hate her in this one um, like, I feel bad for the actress who played her because everyone is going to hate her character and therefore hate Aww. her, but she's just well, doing her job. that was the point of the character, so she's a good actress. Exactly. She's doing a good job. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She walks past Rizzo and is like, oh, she doesn't even know who the father is, like, being very judgmental. And then Sandy comes up and stands up for her. And then Patty says to Sandy, I thought you were a good girl. And then Sandy says, maybe, but I think it's more important to be kind. Which I think that line points into her realizing, like, okay, she's also putting up an image. And she's Mm -hmm. now wrestling with, oh, I'm, Danny's putting up an image. I'm doing the same thing. It's just a different image. I need to, like, explore, like, my true self. Yeah, this feels like like someone just took a second pass at at the script and just like okay i see what you're going for here but how about let's do these little things that make it in immensely better it, it feels like everyone involved was one having a good time and two actually knew the source material like it, it's a great representation of uh nostalgic era you know and yeah. i i I, that was like the whole feel of it works really well, um, especially that it wasn't always like big bombastic musical numbers. No, uh, that's another complaint I had with uh, a Christmas story was that every number feels like it has to be bigger than the next, and so it just gets so exhausting. But but this they know when to go big. And, and then other times when to just stay small. So it's paced out really well. Yeah, and there's a lot of great cameo moments in this. Didi Khan, or Diddy Coon, or <laughs> however you pronounce her name. Diddy Kong Racing, I don't know. Her name, her name is Diddy Kong Racing. We'll just go with that. That's where we, <laughs> yeah. if we, if we're completely wrong, we're not wrong at all. Yes. Um, but, so. So Diddy Kong Racing, go ahead, tell me about, who is Diddy Kong Racing? She was the actress who 
played Frenchie in the original movie. She has a cameo in this where she plays the waitress Vi. Um, and Vi has a moment where she has a little bit of a heart-to-heart with Frenchie, who played in the live broadcast by Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, Which I did not know when you told me that about f- 15 minutes ago. Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> uh, our... and that blew my mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's... So, that's a testament this... to her acting, because because it that's and I remember that in uh, um, in hairspray being distracting because they had like Martin Short and um, Bella Thorne and it just wait took Bella me out Thorne of it. was in that I think so yeah she was um, when that sings cooties now you're blown now I'm blowing your mind here <laughs> yes wait was it Bella Thorne I think it was Dove Cameron. Oh, shoot, you're right. Yeah, it was Dove Cameron. Okay. You can, Basically you can the same person. That's offensive, but... Basically. Ah, uh, white, pretty girl. Yeah, same people. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's usually distracting, but yeah. I didn't even register that. So there's a scene where it's... She's there playing Frenchie now, and she's with the um, original movie Frenchie, and... She's stressed about her career. She doesn't know what she's going to do because she had to drop out of beauty school. And she says, well, how do you like waitressing? And she goes, oh, you're too young to know. And then she lists a few other careers. And then Diddy Kong Racing looks at Carly Rae Jepsen and says, you'll find something. I know you will. And it's like this future version of herself telling her it's all it's all going to be all right. And it's a great lead into. All I Need is an Angel, which is an original song written for this. Yeah, it's a cute little moment, and it also posits the uh, fan theory that future Frenchie came back in time with the DeLorean, because, you know, 1950s just kind of brings brings up Back to the Future vibes, so maybe this is all part of the Back to the Future musical universe, because it's going to be made to musical. It could happen. Wait, is this the same backlot? I wouldn't be surprised. It's Back to the Future. Okay, so this is the Warner Brothers backlot. No, that'd be Back to the Future would have been on the Universal backlot. Well, well uh. wait, 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 because because Back to the Future, the set for Back to the Future, was the same set they used for Gremlins, and Gremlins was Warner Brothers. So I don't think it really matters. Okay. So it's possible. So wait, where is the because I know the Clock Tower was one was a backlot set. So Clock Tower backlot. Oh, it is. It is on the so Hill Valley is on the Universal backlot. Okay. So. Oh well. Okay. Close enough. Uh, They're yeah. both backlots in LA. All the sets look the same. Yeah. And we. Uh, what else did we talk about? The sets. How good the sets were. Oh, the sets are fantastic. Last... Designed by, by the way, David Corrins, who is the designer of Hamilton. Mm. He designed all of Hamilton. Among he others. designed Alexander Hamilton back in back in eighteen yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah. He designed Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah, he just—he is so obsessed with all things Hamilton. You know, he's yeah. obsessed with. And then he ended up uh, designing the Broadway musical too. Yeah, yeah, he did that as well. It's a small little, small little footnote in his, in his career. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of talent in this. There is, and the inside of the hallway, like the school hallway, like that school building was just an exterior. Everything inside of the school was built inside of the exterior right. building and it all works like the thing is is that like i'm probably mentioned um it 
it works because even if it looks fake, it works for the tone because it's never meant to really trick you into thinking everything is real. But yeah, it's self-aware enough. They because in Greece they're doing a live broadcast within a live broadcast and there's Right. Right. And it's not like like whenever you see a bad version of this, like Christmas story, um mm-hmm. uh Peter Pan, it's almost they're almost trying too hard to convince you that it's um that it's a lie that there's like cameras and an audience and stuff. Um and I think that's a real detriment because like one of the one of the beautiful things about theater is that everybody knows it's fake so we can have fun with the audience in that like even in just a regular musical breaking the fourth wall isn't isn't all that uncommon and it invests everybody in the show right like avenue q it's uh, all about puppets. The puppeteers are right next to the puppets, but it doesn't matter because the performances are great. So it's not about convincing everybody that it's real. It's uh, convincing everybody to have a good time. Yeah. And it's, yeah, because it, like, there's all those great um, self-aware lines. Like, there's, um, the producer is visiting the school. And, um, by the way, the producer... The producer, by the way, yeah, he he was duty in the film, which is cute because when they take a bow, it's him and uh, Diddy Kong Racing that bow together because they are a couple. In this. So it's nice that they got yeah. them. Anyway, so so the moment you're talking about, yeah. The principal, or no, the principal's secretary says um, a live broadcast, but what if something goes wrong? And the producer says, oh, that doesn't matter. The television audience is pretty forgiving they actually like it when things go wrong they do yeah um and that's that's almost like he's speaking to the audience being like hey if we mess up (laughs) yeah and then the principal also says let's just hope it doesn't rain (laughs) (laughs) which uh, there's so many like uh, cute little lines in the show like they they have that line of the drive-in uh, where it's like, I can't wait for when I get to watch movies at home uh, at my own convenience. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then Duty says, let's get to the moon first, which is just the right balance of self-aware. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just to backtrack to explain the... With the raining, yeah. Yeah, because that's, the, that's relevant. Yeah, is that... Yep. So when you plan on doing a any sort of event in L.A., usually you can just assume the weather's going to be nice. Not only did they do this on a rainy day, but they did this on, like, a really nasty day. It, it was, like, a yeah. really nasty day. And then it seemed to clear up a little bit. And then by the end of the show, I don't think it's raining at the end. But it was, like, really cold. Anytime they're outside. So when Julianne Huff is singing Hopelessly Devoted to You, she's probably, like, trying not to shiver. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great... Uh... They're, they make a lot of great compromises because I assume they had to move some of the scenes indoors because yes. of the weather. You like, can't I don't... dance on bleachers if they're wet. Exactly. That's a huge, that's a huge safety violation. <laughs> Shoot them up, up. Shoo out! Uh, you had told me way back 
about the whole rain situation. Um, uh, but I didn't know about it going into it. Um, or I forgot about it going into it. And then once they got into the summer loving scene, notice, Oh, this is inside. And it works so perfectly that it, it doesn't even like they draw attention to the rain thing in parts, but then, but in that scene, it's like, it's, there's nobody walking around. It's like, Hey, we're indoors. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there's, you know, it's just enough winking at the camera, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There is that, there's, and yeah, there's that cute moment at the end of Alone in the Drive-In where Aaron Tivet finishes a song and then you see on the screen it says, The End. Yes. The, the, one of the things that this got criticized for online is there were a lot of purists for the original movie that were like, oh, you got rid of the smoking. Well, it's like, well, that's just network censorship. You have to do that. You can't smoke on TV. Um, yeah, and yeah then, there was a bit of censorship in here, yeah. And then, well, yeah, because there's less, like, swearing, but, um, well, there's, there's no swearing. There's, there's no swearing. They, like, and, and, because like, it's on like, network TV. Innuendo. You can't swear well, on network TV. Well, even still, like, like stuff, like, not just, like, uh, you know that it's the shit, it's, but it's also, like, lines like, you, you, um, uh, you are supreme, the chicks will cream, they went all kids bop and said, and made it into, uh, you are supreme, the chicks will scream. <laughs> so, yeah. how dare you take away my precious swear words. But, yeah, you know, I think that's one of the things I don't like about the original movie is that it just feels very sleazy. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with the swearing. But, but yeah, th- I think this definitely went for the clean-cut vision of the 50s, like, and and I and that works to its benefit because it is very cheeky, right? It's very it's very innocent. Yeah. If you guys if you guys are looking for something to take your mind off of, you know, things, um, just things in general, this is a incredible distraction. It is, yeah. yeah. And I think it's we've talked a little bit about the casting, but like everyone is cast so perfectly in this. Like, Aaron Tivet is, like, I think a textbook example of a triple threat in that he's a great actor, a great singer, and a great dancer. Because most mm-hmm. triple threats... Oh, is that what a triple threat is? Yeah, but is most triple, triple threat threats have their area. Like, Hugh Jackman is an actor who can sing and dance. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Julianne Huff is a dancer, primarily. Mm-hmm. She can also sing and act, but yeah. Aaron Tavet is like fantastic. She doesn't do a lot of dancing in this show, though. They I know, only, but only she like, but yeah. yeah, she is primarily a dancer. Like if you probably if you Google her, it'll say Julianne Huff, American. Because she was in Footloose. Yeah, she was in Footloose. She was Dancing with the Stars. I think she's a judge on Dancing with the Stars now. But she was at first. She started as one of the dancers on that that would like work with a famous person and teach them how to become oh. a dancer. She is primarily a dancer. Um, ah, same okay. thing with Derek. Cause you know, like, like looking at the, uh, um, looking at the DVD here, uh, I, and just realizing like the marketing strategy behind that, you got the actor, Aaron Tivet, mm-hmm. the dancer, Julian Huff, and the singer, Vanessa Hudgens. Right. Oh, I was saying on the note of Julian Huff being a dancer, I think 
the whole reason why they added that cheerleader tryout scene mm-hmm. is just to be like, okay, we have to show off Julianne Huff because another... she's primarily a dancer, so we have to give her something to use that skill set. Yeah. We're oh. going to put this in because we have like a world-class dancer and she's not dancing enough, mm-hmm. so we'll give her this moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think, and that's, I like that about this is that a lot of the changes, you wouldn't even know, notice their changes. Right. Like, it's the best of both worlds, you know? I'm surprised they didn't get Miley Cyrus. In <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Disney Channel, speaking of Vanessa Hudgens, uh, we were talking about how it rained that day, but there was another uh, really bad thing that happened uh, right before the show. What was that, Ben? Jimmy? Oh, yes. So, you know how human beings are um, just, not immortal? Just, okay, her dad yeah, died. Vanessa her Hudgens dad died. Dad okay, died. you don't have to stretch. You always, you always do that. You always stretch it out. <laughs> just let him die. Yes, Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> father passed away the night before they did this show he passed uh, can you give me a, 10 more expressions he joined the choir invisible he ceased to be <laughs> he stopped being alive the point of this what i'm trying to get here is that vanessa hudgens is a consummate professional because she held her own uh there was no sign of of sadness uh, if anything, that just works for the character. Rizzo just feels like she's been through so much more than everybody else, right? So um, she's tough and tender. Tough and oh, that's a good that's a good way to put it. That's probably in the character description. Yeah, it's actually um, in Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Of course, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. All the casting is great, and uh, a lot of the cute cameos are also. Really, real they because they work again because it's not trying too hard to, to, like it brings you into the nostalgia enough that if you know it, there is a nice, pleasant atmosphere to it. But at the same time, we got Joe Jonas playing in the high school band, and it's not the most distracting thing ever because it works for the context. Like, they have boys to men singing Beauty School Dropout, but they do it in this a bit more of a modern version than, like, the 50s doo-wop groups. And it works, in my opinion, because the characters are angels, um, at least in... Uh, in uh, Frenchie's mind, they're angels, yeah. yeah. I love the way they end this, because then they, they start... By peeling back the curtain and taking you kind of on a tour of the back lot with Jesse J. And then they end it yeah. with the same thing, but they do it with the golf carts. And, like, they go and, like, they drive. So, like, Aaron Tavet is actually driving the golf cart. And mm-hmm. something about that just, like, impresses me. It's like, oh, he can sing, act, dance, and he can drive a golf cart. Like. He is basically the pinnacle of man. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Tavet. Well, it's funny because the car behind them. I can't remember the character's name, but he was like, he was the one uh, that was going to go with Sandy to the dance. Um, oh, But he's yeah. kind of a doofus. Um, and when he's driving the golf car at the end, uh, he he uh, bumps into the side of the oh, road. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. He, like, the, goes over the, the curve. Street. Yeah, he jumps He goes the over the curve. Yeah, yeah. And and that just felt so in character. <laughs> It's 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 hard to know when, yes. when, what was planned and what wasn't. Like obviously the rain and 
Vanessa Hudgens father that those are unfortunate circumstances but they make the most of what they have no 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 that's definitely not on purpose yeah the studio didn't that could have tipped over the golf cart a good thing oh, it didn't oh, could you Vanessa imagine Hudgens father's body hmm the go- I'm sorry. I'm trying to make a terrible joke where the car got where where they ran over her father with the golf cart. <laughs> Please keep this. Uh, in. <laughs> uh, in case you can't tell, it is when we were recording this. It is approaching midnight. Yeah, yeah. This it, it as the darker it gets outside, the darker our minds get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the darker it gets in the world, it's just a dark time. Ben, I'm the dark one here. Okay, you're you're the you're the bright optimist that naively loves everything, and I'm the guy that shits all over that because the world is a miserable place. So, what do you think of Space Jam? <laughs> I think Space Jam is garbage. Point taken. Okay, so on the note of it being an obviously live show with an obviously live audience um uh they do a really clever thing with the cameras so like i said earlier about how you can see the scaffolding you can see the cameras at the dance um the big high school dance uh the setup is that they're gonna have uh cameras filming the thing as part of the sort of a live broadcast of uh what was his name ricky martin Oh, uh, Vince Fontaine. Yes, Vince Fontaine, Vince Fontaine, played by Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez, who arguably does the worst acting performance, but he is also, uh, I don't think he's, is he an actor? He is no, he's an actor. I'm... But he's uh, like a television personality more than an yeah, actor. Yeah. And he's playing okay. a got, television got... personality. And so... It that works, um, and what works even better is the uh, the whole thing of them broadcasting it live because that allows them to use the cameras in a clever way, so that once you see them in the frame, it's not like oh that's just the camera they need to film what we're watching. It's no, they're using that to film inside the context of the story. Yeah, one of the things I really appreciated about this was just like. Because it's live and it's, like, impressive. It's just, like, the quick changes. And even, like, in the song, the song is called Those Magic Changes, or These Magic Changes. It's um, Those Magic Changes. Yeah. It is it is those? Okay. So, yeah. and not only it's does important they Aaron Tevet do changes, which he has to do changes, because first it's, he's at, um, first he's doing basketball, so he's wearing basketball clothes. Now he's wrestling, so he's wearing, like, a sweater and sweats. Oh, now it's track, so he's wearing, like, really short shorts and, like, a running shirt. So they're in the gym, and the camera will pan to, like, Aaron DeVette for, like, his segment of the sport that he's trying. And then it pans back to Jordan Fisher. And it's very, like, we're talking, like, 15-second segments at most. And every time it pans back to Aaron DeVette, he'll be in a different outfit. But then when it pans back to Jordan Fisher, who... It would have been perfectly fine for him to wear the same wardrobe that whole song. But he completely mm-hmm. changes everything he's wearing, and he changes his guitar. Yeah, it gets fancier and fancier each time. Which is completely I, unnecessary, 
but it's fun, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's the wouldn't it be fun if we did this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's everything about this show is is taking what you like about the original and the musical and just amping it up. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing is, I never thought I would enjoy Grease. And here I am. <laughs> yeah, it work, goes really well on your burger. <laughs> the, the show is pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, those magic changes. That's probably the, one of the standout numbers of the show. Um, and, and the way... Jordan Fisher is fantastic. Well, the whole, the whole way it's executed is fantastic, as we said. Yeah, um, it is. But it's also... Well, and because it so seamlessly transitions locations. Like, they're just in... So they must have had the gym and the restaurant in the same soundstage. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then they had the... Because they had um, Sandy's front lawn... Uh, Right next to the high school pro- as well, because because she's over there yeah. right after the dance. Um, but yeah, it was it was impressive though when Aaron Tivet was told to run around the gym or like he goes out the door, comes back the other side. Oh yeah, like almost like he's Pac Man because it's like so quick. Did he go out the door or did he just go off frame around behind the camera and come back? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a sec- there's there's all sorts of magic trickery i felt like felt like a a show at disney world but it works even better because the whole idea of the song uh is about change and and it works for for danny's quote-unquote conflict i know in the show uh those magic changes is just a song that duty sings like it doesn't have anything really to do with like he's just doing a song, that's all it is. But they put this at a pivotal point for for Danny's character, and so it really works when they have that duet at the end. Not just because. Yeah, and I think that song really isn't in the movie. No, no. But it's they not. do have the scene where um, it's a scene where John Travolta is trying all the different sports. And to intertwine yeah. both of those things into one moment was just like a really good way to make both of those things better. It's emblematic of the show as a whole that there's a lot of little changes, but they work magic. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the drag race uh, because it was one of the cutest and most hilarious things in the show yeah because um, that car because has no engine there is no engine um but this was smart um because again with the tone it's set it's like we don't have to believe that it's a real car um and it does that's gonna be a real race what they do is instead of doing the race they just do a lot of of uh, shaky camera work and clever lighting to simulate movement. Yeah, and and it works pretty well. The only real giveaway, I mean, apart from the whole thing, is the flames that shoot out of the car at the end because they're just kind of trailing downwards. So watching 
through all these uh, live TV musicals, I kind of found myself in a spot like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know, everybody's like doing little creative projects, you know, catching up on uh, TV shows, getting exercise. I'm watching crappy TV musicals for a podcast that has like 10 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but Grease Live was a pleasant surprise, and I'm really glad I left it as the last one to watch. Not least because I have a terrible memory, uh, but because I have terrible memories of the musicals I watched before. So, obviously, with the change in circumstances, um, you know, me being so hygienic, I don't want to uh, interact with other people, you know. Um, we are obviously going to continue doing this, having... Uh, Recording over Skype and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so with that, a lot of the recommendations we're going to make, all the movies that we watch, are we're going to try our best to have them so that you guys can can watch them at home. On um, but, Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever you have. Yeah, Amazon. yeah. There's, there's, we'll we'll there's try to hand... pick different, hit from all the different streaming services so that whatever um, you have. So Tubi is uh, an option. Uh, it's completely completely free there's just ad breaks um in between movies it's kind of like it's kind of like if youtube was netflix yeah and there's a grab bag there's like um there's you know they have like boyhood there will be blood shutter island and then like at least 20 shark movies (laughs) for all of those good movies so if you want you know to watch those critically acclaimed movies it has those but also has a bunch of schlock you know just balance it out and i'm also Um, just gonna add tubi is not a sponsor (laughs) no no it's not a sponsor at all um (laughs) yeah you can find grease live on apple for ten dollars so don't get it on youtube for the twenty dollars get it on get it on uh apple for for half the price i don't know you guys try it out and and see what happens (laughs) Then then tell us, you owe me 10 bucks, and we will not pay it. <laughs> but going forward, um, we do our best. I mean, all we can do, right, for, for movies right now is, is find the ones that are the easiest to find. That's probably going to leave us with some really good ones, also a lot of really bad ones. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because sometimes a just a really dumb movie is just a breath of fresh air recording endings are hard they are and it is past midnight it is past midnight but i don't feel like going to sleep i do (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you for listening good night you're still listening or good morning whatever time of day it is so on behalf of whoever does this wash your hands and watch your movies (laughs) 